Kevin, what is this show? I haven't seen you since the play. right into uh the witcher now right into again my favorite uh fucking thing to do is say and uh to kick things off 50 minutes into pressing record um let's (laughs) wrap up with Geralt Yennefer and company uh with uh the uh final two episodes of the witcher season one shall we i just got i just i just gotta say uh, as the person who is like got <laughs> fresh eyes <laughs> huh let me just say one just, just, okay let me just, just hear me out hear, hear me out okay so as the person that's coming into this who, who like with like the freshest eyes because like i literally didn't watch it until two days like now right this is my first watch through um i am mad at myself <laughs> for not getting past episode one earlier and because you but now you're here now i'm here and i'm caught up (laughs) and i'm enjoying the ride this is this is just so you know i was mad at you too so yeah i'm glad yeah yeah yeah. kevin i I know how annoying i'm not mad i'm just disappointed i'm disappointed i i know how upset i get when people are like okay the first season is bad but just like get to like halfway through season two and i'm like i can't sit through all this bad tv uh but uh we were like literally just get past the first episode but also like getting into episode seven and being like oh episode one and then episode eight being like oh episode one it's like uh huh. We warned you. I was you. like, we damn, I'm gonna have you. to rewatch this whole fucking thing now. Because I was like, th- the whole time, it's amazing. Because for me, I was like, okay, how am I gonna keep track of these timelines? Because they are a tad bit convoluted. They are a little bit difficult. Let's what? let's be honest. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's a lot of like, names and you, kingdoms. I was like, what kind of and... big brain logic puzzles are you doing on the weekends to be able to keep up with every site? Oh, I, I was like, to, we... I have to do logic with a four-year-old. I'm well more qualified. Your division theory is being so in depth, but yeah. literally, like, it was one of those things where I was like, by the time we got to the end, I was like, oh, okay, I don't fully know the order of operations here, right? But I know enough about the things that happened to make sense as to where we are now and the fact that we started in one place and then we just like kind of uh we Cir- <laughs> Cirillo was the only one that went forward and the rest of them kind of looped back and then we caught up yeah yes was, now they uh, they they after stringing us along for eight episodes right they they kind of like 
they're you're like slowly piecing together the timeline and like where are we and what is you know where exactly is everyone in relation to each other and then they perfectly fucking nail it at the end of season one boom everyone's in the same time here's my Geralt and Siri are together boom here's (laughs) my question structurally for season two which which I'm so very excited about because I'm assuming we're gonna finally hear the story of what makes a witcher a witcher and like the story behind Geralt and his mom who we like get like a just little crumbs of but here's the thing the the you're not gonna get much more of the mom uh she's just not like a character in this universe you're gonna get like tidbits but she's not those tidbits those are crumbs that we're gonna get more of because clearly the mom had something to do with how he became a witcher he has some sort of grudge with his mom about why his eyes are the way they are and why he's a witcher she she sold yeah she gave him away like jennifer's dad gave her away but they yeah yeah. they show her being like go get some water and then leaving him yeah. Yeah, because she she's like the witchers are gonna come pick you yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, go she there. Didn't, I've she made didn't leave the baby in a basket you. on the doorstep. Yeah, but that's but, not. But that's what she that was doesn't doing. know the games or any of the context. That's not clear. That's not something that's made. So it will, yeah, I it'll think be we're gonna get a clear. little bit more of a clarification on t- because I had no idea that you become a witcher by being sold to other witchers. Like what? I d- I don't know any well, of that. Right? Ostensibly, ostensibly, that's, that's not the only that's way. <laughs> okay, because, so like, I don't. Yeah, know there are many ways. Right. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah you're find, right. We're gonna get a little bit more of that, which I'm excited about. So I guess that answers my other question because for me, I was going, and it makes sense that they did that because one of the things that's a an exciting moment with this show is the nonlinear storytelling. And now that they've ended season one with us caught up and all on the same page with the timeline, how are they going to reintegrate a multi, like a multiple timeline kind of storytelling, a nonlinear story. And I'm now realizing we're probably going to get Geralt flashbacks to how he became a witcher. Maybe not for a long time, but a little bit. And Some, but yeah. other than that, what else are we gonna get as flashbacks? Like, maybe we're right. gonna get some Mausik flashbacks because we know that like Caleb, you had some questions about what was whispered around the time you know when he was on the ground after the 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 the, the sacking of um yeah well, he, the, just, like, he, just, he just like he disappears Sintra. for like an episode and you don't know what the fuck he did right. So I'm I'm excited to see how they keep that nonlinear storytelling because that was such an exciting element to this season and i feel fundamentally if they don't keep that non-linear aspect it's not going to be the same show i think you i think the non-linearity we will see a de-emphasis on with the exception of flashbacks which i don't necessarily think of as like non-linearity right um but in in the same way i think we are still going to get a good mixture of episodic meets um expansive and part of that is based on like oh i've seen some casting for season two and i'm like well this is a short story character so we're not done with the episodic short story portion of the witcher show um right i i think which makes he sense. is not done because the is fundamentally not about Geralt. so in order for us to keep uh-huh. us focused on the witcher in the witcher we need to tell stories of the witcher outside of the main story <laughs> Yeah, if I were guessing, I earnestly don't know, if I were guessing, these short stories are going to be him training Siri in the use of, like, her powers and, like, bringing her on monster quests. That would be a guess But even still, mine. that fits into a very linear structure. I, 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 I hear what you're saying. You don't think that they're going to do that nonlinear storytelling. I... 
Because I think we caught up. I think yeah, we did we it. Yeah, we caught up, and I think that that's exciting, but I also fundamentally think that that is a surefire way to get a beloved show not to have a beloved second season, right? When you change that's the form of a show, true. you know what I mean? Like, that's because when, as someone that is, you know, that got into the show, part of the exciting thing about it is, and they even mirror it in the way that each episode starts with, like, those those crests, and then at the very end, all the crests meld together and make that Witcher wolf Come thing. together, Which is yeah. so fucking cool. I remember, like, literally audibly gasping, not even knowing Ooh. why I was gasping, but just being taken by the imagery <laughs> of that moment. That's that's a part of the show is the way that these things non-linearly come together. That was a metaphor for the show. So it, it, I look at it and I go, please don't give me a season two of Stranger Things where I feel like I'm watching a different genre. <sighs> no, I think they're smarter than that. I think I think I Laura Schmidt so. Hidrich is a is a better um, writer than that. I they seem like they're smart and economical at the way they do this. I think. Uh, I'm sorry to invoke this show for the second time uh, <laughs> since we've sat down, but Lost did a good thing where, okay, for the first three seasons, we're doing flashbacks, and then we start doing flash forwards as like we are still keeping this essential style thing. I think yeah, actually. I, I'm not saying we're going to literally do that, but I think they're going to keep a similar style I of storytelling, the, even if it's not non-linear. I think the the one, I don't even want to say half-baked, like quarter-baked theory I have <laughs> is that um, uh, when we get into season two, we're not going to pick up exactly where we left off. We're going to jump ahead, and then season two is going to be putting the pieces back together to where we are. Uh, you know, and then maybe eventually they start, they... Like, if we get into a season three or a season four, maybe that's when we start off, boom, right where we left off, and then we start having flash-forward type non-linearities, so, and maybe get into that. But I, I, I'm i just so excited to see what fun. they do. So forgive me if I, I zone for a second. No my brain is mush right now. <laughs> so if this has already been said, children, it's totally this has already fun. been said, fuck my face. But um, they... <laughs> I mean, if you ask nicely. <laughs> I feel like this second season i mean you don't have to ask nicely in that situation if you just say that that's enough for some people um children there's a reason i have children i i lived in the bay area but i'm a father now uh yeah i'm i'm familiar with with uh avian creatures and bees um the my theory for season two is that it's built exactly like season one to a degree. I think it would be incredible if season two opens with like Vesemir doing some cool shit guy, and then cuts away to Geralt and Siri doing some shit, and then cuts to Yennefer, mm. who's in some other plane of existence, doing some shit, and all of season two is lining up how Yennefer gets back to Geralt and Ciri and how Geralt and Ciri find his mentor, Vyazimir, and they just cut it up in three separate storylines again, and they weave together Which and line up. Vesemir? Vesemir's Geralt's like... You haven't met we him. We haven't met him yet. He's yeah, you haven't. Yet. You don't know him. Uh, but he is the old... He's he's grand, He's headmaster witcher. He's grandfather witcher. Yeah. Uh, so then, yes, super cool I dude. Think, I think... Okay, tying into what I was thinking, now that, that I know good. that that's a character, I think it would make a lot of sense for them to be like, here's this new character, and then we get... 
we get flashbacks of Geralt learning from the adventures dude. of young Vesemir. Right. Well, we get, or not even necessarily young Vesemir, but like young Geralt being trained by Vesemir yeah. and being paired up with For that. Sure. And, and yeah, the main storyline that we're following through. So I, I, that would be the flashback storyline. And the main through line would be naturally Geralt and Siri catching up with Yennefer, which sure. they must. Um, Sounds good. The and uh, Yaskier really is want... uh, there too. Yeah, yes, Yaskier must come back at some point. That would be such a such a sad. Oh, he's good. He's okay, he's good. a huge character. He's like uh, I don't know for ranking Witcher importance. He's number four. You know, like he's Got he's it. he's gonna be around. Okay, <laughs> don't worry. About good that. good news. Very happy about that. The other thing that I want more of is I don't remember his name. The dude with the sword that always comes back to his sheath. The mage. Dope warrior. That guy rules. Oh, that was so cool. That was so cool. <laughs> like, it takes a lot for me to be really excited by, like, a fight scene, you know, because usually I'm like, mm-hmm, fighting, got it, cool, 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 cool. Mm, yes, you know, fighting. I, mm. I, I, thought, I thought I liked, I liked the, 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 the enchanted rocks that they throw, air, that they shoot arrows at that turn into, like, bombs. That was an amazing oh. way of, like, modern artillery, modern, modern artillery Wizard shit. Yeah, Wizard I was like, this shit. is fire. This is so Wizard sick. And shit. the end, like, is literally fire. Sorry. I deserve that. No, I earned that. Like, they're doing this fight with this guy that we saw from like episode one, who's like chasing after Siri on the horse. You know, very like the black Paul and- Dano looking motherfucker. Whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sinister. I, I do know what the fuck he looked like. Paul Dano's. I I do not know his name, but my partner and I refer to him only as Paul Dano. Like the character's Who's name is Paul Dano. Dano. Who's Paul Dano? Uh, uh, the guy playing Riddler in the new Batman movie. The the guy, the, the guy. preacher in There Will Be Blood. The uh, the Air Force pilot, the colorblind Air Force pilot in Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. Um, the suspected boy. If you Google Paul Dano, you'll be like, mm, ah, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, I the. The but, like, actor with, it back he has been that, blessed right? with the most punchable face of all time. <laughs> he has been blessed with this face that just, he's, he it, it, it's a gift for an actor. Of, um, we talked about him on another episode. Oh my god. Uh, uh, Breaking Bad, Mandalorian, um. Oh, Giancarlo. Giancarlo. He is the inverse Giancarlo. <laughs> You yeah, know, the because like, when he shows up on a show, you're like, oh, the like, hero is <laughs> fucked. <laughs> oh, you, oh, we're fucked oh, now. <laughs> but like, Giancarlo's got this like sinister bogus. like undercurrent, and this guy looks like I want to kill. I I hate you. I just met you when Paul, I hate you. Paul Dano has a weaker Steve Buscemi energy, and I love Steve Buscemi. But you're like this fucking weasel, this fucking dude. <laughs> Uh, great actors who, again, it's a gift you can have as an actor. That it's like, you just look like a fucking rat. And it's the best <laughs> skill you like, could dude, possibly that have. So, the soldier mage guy, right, that fights him. First of all, that fight scene is gnarly. Like, absolutely, yeah, brutally cool. With just that, that like, magical boomerang that doesn't fly action. His like, Mjolnir right, sword. Right, all yeah. it comes back. So sick. Very exciting. Also, that man is so attractive. And when they pulled him Hot. in... I was like, thank God that, it, like, just, like, the diversity of this cast is so exciting for fucking fantasy. Like, wow. Oh, so It's exciting. unbelievable. 
It's it's very And it's not just like one side. It's not as if we've made like the Aryan side and the diverse side. <laughs> it's like no, Fringilla Vigo, the the witch on the bad side yeah. is uh, a, a dark-skinned black woman. Which, um, which then yeah. I also love is, like, more so a commentary on, like, the way that, like, uh, 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 like, intergener- like nepotism. Like, it's a, it's a cautionary tale of nepotism and, like, that kind of fascistic thinking outside of the lens of race, which is, like, a complicated thing to discuss because you can't really remove race from those discussions. But in this fantasy realm, the way that they play with it i just i think it's i think it's really cool and a really refreshing take on the genre to be like yeah she's the fucking bad guy but it's 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 a very cool thing also the way that they pull in getting back into like what actually happens in these episodes when they (laughs) establish you know the the court of all the all of all the the wizards the witches the mages whatever you want to fucking call them uh Mm -hmm. in the earlier episodes you're like okay you know this makes sense there's like you know the magical beings gather and they discuss what's happening throughout the continent and they kind of make sure everything's like totally fine and then at the end you start to see no not only are they just like there they're secretly running the show and the way that you then realize that the events of the first episode are directly tied to yennefer and the people that yennefer knows it was like whoa because you go through it and you're like okay I, you, you start to piece together that, that Geralt ties into the first episode. You get that. But then you're like... He was there! He was the literally there. We were just talking about this in the... <laughs> Melted my... The first time I watched this. I can't... Like, we like were that, kind of... Her. She just looks off to the side. into the... Yeah. We were, we were a ways into the episode before I was like... He was there the whole time. He was underneath the first episode. He was downstairs for the first episode of the show. Blew my oh, fucking brain. So Unbelievable. Even the moments this where, like, show pulls where there's like out. moments where you can tell that they're whispering, but you can't hear what they're saying. Or, you know, just like, oh, <sighs> just really, really well executed stuff. But to also know the undercurrent, the political undercurrent was being driven by something related to a character that we haven't been introduced to yet and then becomes a major character. And then the whole time you're like, oh, this is just another character that's kind of relevant for how things go around in this world. And she matches up with Geralt. But then to see, no, she also fundamentally played a role in what we saw in the first episode. It's, it's episode one. (laughs) It's wild because this is, it's one of those things where it's like you watch an episode one is like, okay, I'm not really, I don't, okay, sure, you know, like, for me, it took me out. Episode one, I couldn't get past it. And now it's one of those things where it's like, yeah. after you finish season one, you're like, yo, episode one was there only for the payoff for the ending. Like, it was there only for the people that have seen the whole thing. And that's an exciting structural element. Uh, but, like, you know, it's, wow, I am... And then by the time we get to that, mo- it's such a brilliant structural move. Like, it's non-linearity yeah. with a purpose. It's intention. With intention uh, that by the time we get to the this siege, we've already seen all the Siri on her own stuff. So we can then next episode have that fucking crescendo payoff where the two of them find each other. They find each other in the it's woods, very and it's cool. just like it's just it, the uh, the kind of season finale that you just dream of when oh. you're watching or writing a show where you just pump your goddamn fist and you're like, where is the next season of this show? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, that little O you just heard me say, I realize now I'm hoping so desperately for us to figure, to see, because there's this moment where we see Siri, you know, she's being attacked by the people she used to hang out with. And then we see this weird moment where she's like taken over by some spirit and you're like, what's, what's happening? And there's a blackout and they come back and they're all like dead, 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 dead. Where I dead, hope, dead, dead. I hope we get to see from an outside perspective what fucking went down. What was that? What? What? Why did she do that? What caused that? Y'all might know because you know the story a little bit, but like I know what's going on. I feel like next season we're going to, to get. It. Yeah, I think this show again is smart enough. It just based on this first season to not make us wait for season three for this information it's like i think they set up those those new questions very explicitly to be like hey because there it's it's super easy to be like and now here's like a plot setup for the next season and you're like okay yeah that uh keeps me a little bit drawn but they also asked new specific questions that i think are more to pull you in rather than to keep you holding on i think they're literally going to be something i'm hoping and i think based on what you're saying and what i'm getting from the way that they tell stories is we're going to get pretty early on we're going to get answers to some of these questions and then we're just going to be in a new realm and we're going to be moving forward from there Mm -hmm. because we already kind of know we know some pieces of what's going on right it's like a good kind of mystery is that they keep kind of feeding you little fucking goldfish crackers to keep you going along that it's like we know it has something to do with her bloodline Geralt would be tangentially aware of her bloodline and at least like be able to trace it back a little bit and certainly Vesemir who's hundreds of years old <laughs> would probably know um and and it's all kind of tied is so we Vesemir get, like, the guy that full... he was saying he wanted to be taken to for healing is it, he does mention Vesemir, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they say his name, but is that who he's implying? He's like, there's a guy that lives over here, he can heal me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. He, he says Kermorin, okay. which is like the Witcher Fortress school, uh, etc. Yeah. Um, the Witcher Batcave. And it's, it's, the yeah, the Witcher Batcave. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, think, yeah like, Witcher Avengers get, Tower. We get to hear yeah. more about that place. That would be very... The Witcher Xavier Mansion, etc. Chetra. Um, yeah, it's Chetra. <laughs> it's Chetra. Um, yeah, so that, I, I, again, I think this is, so far, this show has proven to be smart enough to be like, we're going to keep a little mystery on there, but we're going to, we're not going to make you wait for anything. We're going to keep, like, feeding you along uh, just this very smart way that they tease out some information and keep some hidden. It's just, it's it's really intelligently fucking Versus WandaVision I'm, I'm, where I'm just like dying because I have no idea what's happening. Hey, <laughs> the first four episodes right. of this show are also wildly confusing. That's very true. That's very... This is true. There's a there's an article that came out. I can't remember who published it, but it was like, WandaVision's not bad. People just forgot how to watch TV. Yeah, yeah. people forgot well, what it was like to watch... Uh, uh, sorry, lost every week and be like, okay. But also not to, not, to, I mean, not, not to get too far back into that discussion, but also something I mentioned is the way that we structure TV now has been so deeply informed by Netflix and the way that we take inspiration from miniseries and put it into actual mm-hmm. TV series. It's like, it's not, not just, not only did we forget how to watch TV, but TV has evolved to adapt to the reality where we don't typically watch it. So it's re- it's flexing a new mu- flexing an old muscle in a new way. It's doubled up. 
I hate, I think I hate this that is I a good version. But I love that I can talk about each episode for a week with my friends. Exactly. Friend. And then when we go – but the thing is it's also going to pay off in such a way that when we go back after we've got all of it and we binge it, we're going to be super fucking stoked. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's the way it used to be because this – The Witcher is a perfect synthesis of – the two universes that television has existed in, right? Because right. there was the old model where it aired every week, uh, you know, usually without fail. And it, they had, like, stats <laughs> is that even, like, the most dedicated fan of any given TV show saw one out of every four episodes. Like, even the most dedicated Cheers watcher did not watch every episode of Cheers. Right. Right? Or, uh, and and a show like Twin Peaks uh-huh. really changes that game. Is that, like, no, it's fucking Twin Peaks night, and you're going to watch Twin Peaks because yeah. you don't want to miss right. the mystery. And uh, and then we kind of got too far away with that, uh, too far away from that with a lot of Netflix shows, where it's, like, we know you're going to watch every episode, so we're going to fucking wait to do anything. <laughs> and now The Witcher poorly, is a great... There are Netflix shows that do, like, from there the There are good ones. I, like, they go. Like, right? like Glow is an excellent Glow show. Glow is an excellent one. Dear White People, like, just ju- from the jump, you're in it. Yeah, like, I, I'm sorry. I'm throwing them all in a bin unfairly <laughs> that there are, like, BoJack but does the not wait stands. to give you... The point stands. The, you know, a lot of these shows, because they do pump out a lot of them, that is their business mm-hmm. model. A lot of them are designed in a way where it's like, well, we want you to binge the whole thing, so how are we going to cause you to stay on long enough to be hooked or be like... It's, they're literally trying to force a sunken cost fallacy onto the viewers. They're trying to be like, well, I've already watched Indeed, this many like... episodes, so might as well go through the rest of them. Um, but yeah, right. I mean, it's... it's They're, they're trying to fabricate uh, a connection or a... or um, the word left my brain. I cannot speak English anymore. But they're they're uh, they're, they're trying to fabricate that kind of desire to con- to continue with these shows, and it's really exciting when you can tell that they're not trying. You know, like you you can. It's so easy to see when a show is trying. They're like, look at us, look at me, and then the Witcher's like, you can you can look if you want, and then you're like, tell me more. <laughs> We're going to be doing Witcher stuff over here, whether you come or right, not, exactly. but like you can watch if you, you want, want to. to. And that's ultimately far more enticing. Absolutely. Exactly. It's uh, We were talking about it a little bit before Daddy Host got on. Is How dare that you? like <laughs> The Office was the most watched show on Netflix for, again, five years straight because like, guess what? Every episode of The Office was self-contained and it made you right. want to watch more well that, it made but also you... since they are self-contained you don't need to worry about content you don't need to worry about checking out for 10 minutes or something and then coming back into the room and being like what's going on exactly is that like that keeps you and we talked about it as we went along but this show has a great balance of like okay we're gonna give you oh, episode two for instance is like here is the introduction of yennefer a good first Yennefer story mm-hmm. and so that you don't feel unfulfilled we're also going to give you Geralt and Yaskier hanging out with some elves you know and we're going to wrap that up and yeah. you have a sense of completion on top of a sense of oh I want to see where this Yennefer thing is going um, <laughs> or like or why are like, telling these two separate stories or like you know yeah why isn't because on a normal show I'd be watching these characters would know each other so like what's going on here uh, right whereas like i mean i've compared it to the show before but like 
some violence and cursing aside, The Witcher just feels like fucking Xena, where it's like, no, every Saturday at two, you're going to watch another episode of Xena. And Xena has like a little overarching thing, but like also she's going to have a self-contained story this episode. And and it, it, it has that same like, oh, I got to fucking sit down Saturday at two. Yeah. I don't want to miss Xena. It's just really exciting uh... to see the way that we have like the way that that kind of storytelling has expanded like it's so it's it's there are examples where it's like you literally don't need to have seen any of the other episodes to know what's going on and then there are shows where it's like if you don't know the previous episode you have no idea what's going on and there's a whole gamut in between and i think it's also interesting uh, i'm these these are thoughts coming to me like right now i've never really thought about this before (laughs) i would also have to say um the reality TV show craze, such as like American Idol, probably had something deeply profound mm. to do with that. In the idea of you could, I, yes, you could miss a week of American Idol and then come in and be like, oh, they got booted? Damn. Right? But uh-huh. there's something about the way that it's structured where it's like it, it trained people to come in. Like there were shows before then where you needed to see every episode, but this was one where it was like there was audience interaction. It trained you to tune in at the same time every night because You it, don't want to miss your chance to vote. You don't want to miss your Fantasia. chance to vote. You won't know who's going. You want to see who like there were it was like and it was was it was it two nights a week that they would do it, right? There was the results night and there was Yeah, the, there was like Uh Uh-huh, exactly. And there was like, oh, okay, like I could miss this episode of American Idol, but not only do I not get to vote, they don't really put these things on YouTube. So like, I won't be able to see Bo Bice's (laughs) performance from this week if I miss it. So we then, because of that, we get trained (laughs) into the idea of tuning in and seeing every single episode to know what's going on. And then we get familiar with the idea that, oh, we just have all of it at once. That's awesome, right? But then... It's 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 just really wild to see the way just the TV is progressing and like the way that storytelling is affected by the medium, right? On the one hand, you know, you could see an entire season all the way back by in the past, you know, buying the the VHS or buying the DVDs, you know, and before that sure. you couldn't. I did. And before but yeah. before that you couldn't at all. You're watching episodes of I Love Lucy, they're standalone. Maybe yes, there's some developments, <laughs> but they're like super long term, and they're just like because they're having fun. They're not essential to knowing what's going on, right? The the, the relationships maintain the same, and this is true for a lot of the shows back, yeah. you know, back in that time, and even a little bit before that. It is also why cop shows and doctor shows became like the two dominant genres, is because right. like oh, though these are professions that in a television context. You can have an exciting, tense storytelling bit in this episode that is completely done with because you either caught the guy or you saved the life oh, or you didn't or you didn't. So you that's, know, right. like that's, that's, that's ending though. That's ending though. Like not, not probably well, not across no, the board, but we, like yeah, my household right. is my household is deep is deep in one Chicago right now. So we're watching okay. Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, and Chicago Med, and. Ooh. There was an episode we just watched that I shit you not referenced a 10-year-old episode of SVU and included the cast of Law & Order SVU in Chicago PD who also were in Chicago Fire and included characters from Chicago Med. And, like, it's gotten to a point where, like, if you want to keep up... Like, the, we, we watched two episodes of Chicago but, PD in the second but, episode but shows, was a but, follow-up of the, of the last Chicago Fire episode... 
And so we had to like stop this Chicago PD episode and go back and watch the Chicago Fire episode to understand what the fuck is happening in Chicago PD. Right, and uh, I think the other thing, is, that was also compounded They're doing on Arrowverse, yeah. the Chicagoverse. They call it one, they call it one like Chicago. But like literally like- Buffy and Angel shit. <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like it changed the way everybody viewed content. The second they made the Avengers, right? Uh, Don't call TV content, please. <laughs> don't call it content. But, but it go ahead. is. I mean, no, it, that's, it is its that's own marketing thing. It's not, it's not the same thing as, like, content. But... Call it art or television. Don't call it content, please. <laughs> I would... Anyway, regardless, the way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe affected other mediums of storytelling, right? It was... Yeah. It was... It wasn't that it was a new idea, what Marvel was doing with their movies. It was that it had never been done in that way that successfully. And that became a driving factor. That became something people strive for. We've seen it in the entirety of the Warner Brothers lineup for the Justice League, where it's, if, at, at, for you know, regardless of the loss, regardless of the risk, we must make an interconnected universe. Right. We we must make a show about John Cena's Peacemaker before we've even released his introductory movie, which they're currently doing. Right. You know, like and- that is. That that is, I mean, that is DC's failings that they're always like fucking. They're eating their own tail before they've before even they like started running. But but like yes. you know, it, the Marvel Cinematic Universe did not invent these because again, you had like oh. Buffy and Angel that would play off of each other, right. and TV shows used to cross over casts all the time, really just for like I mean, promotion. It's did. like. Yeah, it's like the the exactly yeah, like, like all the it, it didn't invent it, but it was the most successful game changer of that it was, regard. Right, and, and it was it was the one that we there it was I would say the one that caused the largest zeitgeist shift in terms of storytelling on a on a broad scale. Um, can I be really it, boring? Yeah, we're talking a lot about how like TVs changed. Um, I am constantly assaulted by the thought while watching any TV right now that I'm tired of it because it's the same. I would hear like, the thing. I think that TV. I'm also coming at this from like just having are you written about like network a TV. Or are you talking no, about period, like just period? Really? Um, I'm coming at this from like having just written a 2,000 word article about like prestige to store television but in playstation games because that's all playstation exclusives are it's prestige television um Mm -hmm. the the hmm, this is a soapbox so like if you don't want to hear it then i get that prestige prestige television is like to me yeah scrub up (laughs) with the soap from the box yeah 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 no i I got get yourself some irish spring because this is gonna make you stink yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah. give me some dove soap for my sensitive skin yes uh, prestige television is not. <laughs> I'm trying not to be inflammatory. Um, I'm doing object work for the audience. I'm doing some really it. good yeah, banter by yeah, object yeah, work. Kevin is scrub a dub dubbing that neck. Yeah, he's preparing beard. himself for the filth I'm about to spill. Um, <laughs> prestige, go hard, prestige, do it. Prestige Say something inflammatory. Okay, okay, okay. Prestige television ain't new. Ain't. It's oh, okay. it's Thank not even shit. it's not even particularly unique. And I don't think it's all everyone thinks it's cracked up to be. That being said, it is important. 
Prestige television okay, is now... just people going, I don't have the money to make a movie, but what if I took the investment and like, no, maybe not money, maybe not money, but I don't have- Because like a television go... show would be more expensive right. than a movie. Right. Uh, not, but also, okay, it, quick, real quick. How are you defining prestige TV? Well, that's, a, that's, that's, how, that's another big part of it, is a lot of people lump stuff Okay, in sure. Thing, right? Like, I would argue that's that Witcher completely fair. is Game of Thrones is... But at the same time, I would also say that, fuck it. I would not what are, what are, lump the Witcher in, but that might be a... a, a it's, the, it's an evolution. It's, it's, the, it's the problem with saying that all music that uses electronic instruments is electronic music. Electronic sure. is like the section of the library you go to for nonfiction, but there's 30 different kinds of nonfiction in here. Um, it's like referring to every bit of animation as the same g- genre, yeah. as if it's not a medium it's like unto looking at itself. Twice and saying, I don't watch anime. Get the fuck out of here. You don't know what you're talking about. It's like, okay, come to, yeah, exactly. But like, what I'm trying to say is that like, Prestige television was just, what if we made movies longer? And that mm-hmm. itself may have... <laughs> Which is a flaw with so many exactly, of these fucking shows. <laughs> exactly. Which, like, sounds in, its, in itself to be in, in innovative. But it's not. It's just, like, I don't know how to tell a story... It's ignoring, in, in a it's ignoring the structural elements of a TV show that it's fundamentally relying on for its storytelling. Yes. Correct. And so, the reason why I bring this up is... <laughs> but here's the inflammatory shit. Shows don't do new shit. They just fucking don't. That's why WandaVision's exciting. Because to me, tying a show to a series of movies that are also tied to... Like, the only way for these mediums, in my opinion, to, like, evolve... And I'm not saying this is even the correct evolution, but the only way for them to evolve is to stop being the same medium forever. And, like, movies started doing that with 3D, and then 3D fell off, and that's fine. Um, but like, there's ways that we're going to see all of these mediums change. And that's why I think video games are extremely important to all of this mm-hmm. because like they are, I think the next medium is taking a film or TV or whatever and making it interactive or making it like a virtual livable space that you can interact with or things happen around you. But that being said, like the reason I lump Witcher and Game of Thrones into prestige television is their grown up prestige television. AMC and, and there you can I there's shows that did this in the 70s and 80s that were short and like weren't serialized and had like a, a building narrative and then ended and boom like it existed in the 70s it existed in the 80s but the time it really popped off was with like Mad Men in 2000 or Breaking Bad in 2008 or Walking Dead in 2010 and I don't mean to give AMC all the credit those are just the ones that when you mention them everyone but- goes oh also, also, all of those shows started within a couple years of each other. Exactly. Like, all of those shows are beginning at the same time. Exactly. AMC, beginning at approximately... Yeah. AMC did this thing with Mad Men and went, oh, shit. Oh, shit, that really worked. And then did it, like, four or five but, more times to varying degrees mm-hmm. of success. But I think that that... But also, AMC is cribbing a lot off of the previous generation of HBO shows. Exactly. Like, it's all it's all feeding off yeah, of Yeah, you got Sopranos on you know. the Wire before any of these that, like, started it. But exactly. Was... Deadwood had already come yeah. and gone yeah. before AMC and And AMC was shows. like, but what if we did it for people that have cable instead of people that have 
cable plus and then extra bonus cable. exactly and then they, it's not that, tv it's hbo yeah it's literally the only time we've ever right. seen trickle back <laughs> anything work anywhere when hbo does something and then smaller networks do it and then smaller networks still do it but like well i would i would argue we're always doing trickle down feeding in media but i wouldn't consider but, that trickle down i would just consider that uh, I, I mean that's just how the artistic expression works right, right? is that like there's a shot in a well, Spanish like, movie. Oh my god! That, not to get yeah, too much no, into it, going, but fundamentally, when it comes down to art and the consumption of art and the spread of ideas, the more money, the more exclusive something is, the broader impact it has. Just because everything within the art realm is super classist and needs to be dismantled, but fundamentally, that's the way it works. These things that have sure. all this money are the ones right. that get access and display and recognition and all of these accolades and such. And then people take these and go, oh, let's try that here. And yeah. then the ideas are yeah. refined, and they're made more accessible, so reason, but it always starts one place. Right. So the reason I bring any of this up is because I kind of butt up pretty firmly against the idea that Witcher's really unique at all. <laughs> like, it's a good time story. It's a good... Unique and it's, it's, and it's, a, and it's like in its execution, I think, um, I think it's refreshing. I, unique is not the word I would use. I would very rarely use the word unique to describe content or uh, sorry, Kevin, not content. <laughs> um, thank you. Storytelling. I, would, I, I, I hesitate to use the word unique to describe any sort of artistic endeavor ever because there's nothing new. There's only right, and every every creator, ideas. and you can bring something refreshing to the table. You can do new versions, which are elements of new, but at its core, it's still a fantasy TV show. To we have words for these things: nonlinear storytelling, fantasy world. Like these are things that we know, right? But it's done in such a way with a diversity that we haven't really seen before. It's done effectively, which is difficult and that's what makes it exciting but i i agree the way that it's pitched as like but the idea of something being like oh this is so new and we've never seen this before it's like i really though because we have a lot of shows that that function like this that are i mean we talk about we've talked about the witcher in reference to so many other shows we've talked about fucking xena i could be like monster of the week version of game of thrones Right, like there's all because any any creator, any artist worth their salt will tell you like you know, they're doing the shit they've seen and they're trying to do it well. You know, because no creator thinks they're any any creator I would trust would not say, "Oh, I'm an original." They would say like they would acknowledge their influences because they all fucking have you could them. Even and they're say, all learning from what has come before. Absolutely. And sometimes that's cross medium too. Though, like so you could say, "All right, Twin, absolutely. Twin Peaks, which some people you could argue was like new that was new for tv certainly but felt new. it certainly yeah. felt new but as an art form surrealism was not new <laughs> it was not new at right. all Right. david lynch right. had been doing it in cinemas for decades and then said like uh, can this be it. a procedural <laughs> tv show on right. on and cbs like french playwrights and like that got, you know like so like these things trickle back right to it's influence upon influence upon influence. And basically, and it's the same thing with genre and music. You can't define any genre as like new, right? We just have, we have small incremental changes, right? That are like adaptations and revisions and 
refreshing takes on old things until eventually when you yeah. stick, when you when you you know step back a little bit you go wait a minute 10 years has passed and this is something entirely different than what it was 10 years ago it doesn't make it new it makes it an iteration of these things like small changes and developments cause for creative developments um yeah, but I also I also like caution myself against saying that like iteration can't breed newness because like eh, like you could argue that there was no such thing as noise rock at a point and like yeah it came from it but came I, but, from something else but like but it's, it's at a certain point it turns into just a game of chicken and the egg right if you zoom in super 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 close. It's always going to be, well, it was this, then it was this, then it was this, then it was this, then it was this. It didn't just appear. But when you zoom out, you can go, oh, it exists in this place and it not in this place. But it's not new. It fundamentally came through small changes that built up to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we've seen, yeah, but we've seen new music before. It's happened. So, like, it could happen again. Even still, when you it. look at new music, you it, it's, it's, it's almost always... You can you just the way that we describe new music is using terms that we're already familiar with, and that same thing goes with art. Same thing goes with TV. Same thing goes with we. I mean, we, I mean eventually I mean, we invent new names for them. But like when pointillism first came out, like it wasn't pointillism, or rather, sorry, not pointillism. That's a technique more so than. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, no, I get you. Like, okay, take film noir for example. It's not as if one day someone sat down and said, "I'm inventing a new genre. It's called film noir." And it eventually it was became this a general and then a new term came it was, for it. Exactly. It was it was all of this like simultaneous thinking of the feelings and the way that like film technology was advancing and the way that people could suddenly play with light in a way that they hadn't fucking done before. And they could play with uh, lenses and angles and voiceover in ways that they weren't able right. to before. And then it's only later that we're like, hey, this kind of seems like a movement that was happening. Uh, in, film, it was dark. Film noir. It's almost and we call it that a later. retrospective naming. Like, when we look back, right, there's yeah, an no one that walks out with something new and names it, gets that name to stick. Right. Well, well, it's like, like, I call ah. this Astro Blaze. And they're like... <laughs> yeah, the ones that do, like, Dogma 95, like, kind of suck. You know, like, they're like, we're doing a new one. They come and out with a manifesto bad. before it comes out. It's, I mean, sometimes there's a manifesto associated with it, but even still, the naming comes later, right? Like, the way that it's solidified in culture comes later. We can look back. You look at uh, Bauhaus, right? The school, the literal art school became a name for a style, an aesthetic, a, 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 school, a literal school, but a school it, it of art. It became the inspiration for the name of a cat cafe called Mauhaus that I used to work for. <laughs> yeah. But like, and, but when uh, you look back at that, it, yeah. was, it was literally an art school. They weren't being like, yeah, this is the Bauhaus style. It was like, no, we're at school for art, and this is the art we're making. So it was, and it wasn't that they yeah, just like the came up with a new acting, style of art. the schools of acting that exactly. evolved out of... Uh, that I mean, you can look Stanislavski, you know, <laughs> like you can go through all these different, you know, acting coaches. And when you get back to a certain point, you're like, wait a minute, this guy taught this guy, taught this guy, taught this. It's it's Plato right. taught or Socrates taught. That's Plato, exactly taught what Aristotle, I was thinking. Aristotle <laughs> taught Alexander the Great. Like you go down the list and it's like, who put Socrates in charge of philosophy? Plato. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Good Place, a uh, great show. And so much of these advancements happen with the advent of technology. Like, people have written about, like, oh, the advent of music-making technology in Los Angeles and New York at this certain period is how we get to 
uh, the hip hop and rap movements of that time, or like to to piggyback on instruments too. Like you go down to like it, uh, yeah. like like New Jack Swing, right? The style of hip hop and like the orchestra yeah. hit. Like we go back to uh, was it Finesse by Bruno Mars? Dripping in Finesse, you know that whole thing, and it. Yeah, they yeah. got this like, but I'm yeah, and they got like that whole hit sound, that orchestra hit, mm-hmm. orc hit was literally a preset in a synth keyboard that came out in the eighties, yeah, yeah. and that became right. a defining of just... a genre of a sound. It's like oh, well, like the exactly. There's a really good. There's a really good track in Daft Punk's possibly last album ever, um, Ram, uh, that's got Giorgio Moroder on it. And he's talking about uh-huh. like the click track to de- 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 develop using the Moog modular to make the music that Daft Punk went on to perfect 30 years later, uh, 20 years later, whatever. Right. I, I say perfect. Obviously, people have different opinions, but Daft Punk is like they're fucking. Daft they Punk. were very <laughs> important to the style of music yeah. that they make, right? Thank like they are their their fucking personal. helmets are on the Mount Rushmore of the style of music. They're two of the four heads, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and like to to piggyback on something Daddy Host said earlier, like specifically in the last ten years, video games have exploded as far as not only technology but storytelling yeah. is yeah. concerned. And one could argue is that like well. Books have been around for centuries. Music's been around for centuries. Cinema had been around for a century. And so, like, but video games were new comparably to all this other shit. And there's so much more to learn. And a lot of great video games, like the fucking Uncharted franchise, are borrowing very, like, obviously from bits of cinema. Yes. But now we're making cinema that's ripping off the Uncharted franchise because of the way they took that and they fucking ran it. You know what's crazy? You know, as, like, like, someone, because as I'm sure some of y'all who have been listening to this podcast for a little while, have gathered. I am very new to video games. I like just what? got a console. I know. Sorry, I'm an asshole. I'm such an asshole. Gamer. No, no, it's totally fine. But literally, so for me, I'm entering this realm of like learning about them in a way. Like I was aware. I, you know, from an outsider perspective, was like, yo, video games are definitely changing the way that we do storytelling. Like this is major. I need to get into it. And then I finally fucking did it because I'm an adult. But like. But now that I'm, like, playing these games and I'm thinking about it, especially, like, my introduction into video games has literally been playing the um, the Arkham Trilogy all at once. And yeah. seeing it, the, 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 the way that these games develop in, in how they're executed and their graphics back-to-back super quickly has been just a wild, eye-opening experience to be like, okay, wait a minute. We've had video games for... <sighs> Let's let's say for the sake of argument, around thirty years, you know, fifty, 50 years. Fifty. God damn, really? Yeah. But like, well, I mean, yeah. like Pong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Is in the so, Pong and Tetris are in the seventies. Right. Uh, but well, yeah. I'm, yeah. uh, let's uh, console gaming. That was eighties, uh, nineties. The seventies. That's when it blows up. Well, but yeah, that's okay, the yeah. 80s and the 90s in the, in the, is when, like, everyone has an NES. Everyone has a second because they kind of failed. And then Nintendo right. was like, we're going to put the arcade in your house. And America was like, fuck you, that'll never work. And then right, Nintendo but functionally, made but like, like if you look And then functionally... they made the NES, which is still the best-selling console of all time. Yeah, and then, they, <laughs> and then Nintendo cashed that check for the next 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Nintendo was like, fine, don't make something to compete. <laughs> we'll just do it alone. All right. <laughs> but, like, but the, what, the, as someone that's, like, getting into this, like, now, right? I'm looking at it and seeing the way it's progressed. I'm like, damn, this has been around for... Not very long comparatively, right? 
Right. And compared to like the concept of music and theater, right? right? Like Any not of very other much. storytelling <laughs> narratives, right? You know, also not not to mention uh, video games as storytelling devices, right? Because Pong and Tetris are not stories, like there's <laughs> not in the way we, we can even get no. down yes, to like exactly. Sonic and Mario and be like, yeah, there's like loose plot. They're not stories, right? They're not well, stories. Like, yeah, okay, <laughs> we've put them on later, but you get what I'm saying. It, we're yeah. modern development. I don't want to say modern because it's all of it's modern, but more recent developments. And I just sit back and I go, Yo, what the fuck are video games going to look like at the end of the century? Oh, they're going to be so fucking what? different. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. They're going to be so fucking different. Ready player one. Insane. And we just Anyone? have no idea. Like, imagine saying to someone who only, like, go way back. We're talking Gregorian chants, right? And you say, hey, check this out. And you play Take On Me, right? They're going to be like, what the actual fuck? Is <laughs> they're going to get burnt at the stake. James state. Cameron's avatar, they're going to shit themselves. Yeah. Oh, we found aliens. Yeah. Nope, they're fake. No, what? they're fake. They're not no, fake. No, we made How'd that. How'd you make <laughs> the screen do color so big? And it's three-dimensional? Yeah, we made that. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Like people used to be scared of a TV of a of a train going. Gabe Gabe Newell of of uh, Gabe Newell of of Valve fame recently said that like the big the big uh, wall that games are needing to break through now is that like eyes and ears are shitty inputs, and that like right we need to figure (laughs) out jacket right we need to figure out how to project images like to your brain and shit. I was like, all right, whatever, dude, chill. Uh, All right, game. Okay. Make a game and then talk to me. It's true, though. Yeah. Like, no. That's where sure. it's going to go. Eventually, it's going to be less like, I'm looking at this and more like, I'm doing it in my sleep or whatever. That's whatever. But I would, I would more, I would think we're closer to like losing hands than losing experiencing it through our eyes. But I know it's, yeah, you. yeah. Uh, um, is that like we're gonna, there's gonna be some fucking technology that pushes us uh, beyond and, and over the top. So the reason I brought um, all of this up like 20 minutes ago at this point now <laughs> the is that like there's a lot of people that I've interacted with who think that The Witcher is this wholly new thing or like i i think it's the same symptom that we're having with wandavision which is people forgot how to watch tv and like eventually you're impacted by something and you realize like or you don't realize that you haven't watched a tv show and gotten into it for a long time and so one hits you and you go this is the best thing you've ever seen and then it just kind of controls conversation and i'm not saying y'all were doing this but like there's just mm-hmm. there's just a, a the article I wrote recently, and I'll post it in a couple of days so everybody can read it, is pointing out that like Sony's gotten this reputation over the last eight years while the PS4 has been out for being this company that puts out and publishes incredible single-player experiences. And I wrote an article about my basically like grudge and also like infatuation with their their products because. For all ex- for all intents and purposes, the the PlayStation library of exclusives are just prestige television, and that sounds really good at first. But I also think prestige television is just a bunch of people recycling what's already been done and putting a nice coat of sheen on it and being like, "Look at this! It's like a movie, but it's TV." And this is like it's like prestige television, but you can interact with it. And when you look at it closely, like Kev said earlier. Uncharted's just fucking Indiana Jones, and more than that, it's Tomb Raider with a different character. And Tomb Raider did it in the fucking 90s. 
God of War is just Dark Souls. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima is just Assassin's Creed, but looks nicer. Like all of these things exist, and they just build. Yeah, but Batman, Batman. <laughs> no, that's a very good. Yeah, you ever think a, about that? That's a very good argument. You ever think about Batman? That's a very good argument. Except, except that's the only Spider-Man. thing Batman really revolutionized was combat. The game itself, especially Arkham Asylum, is just Metroid Prime. It's just Metroid. Like a 3D yeah. Metroid. I mean, but, was like, but oh, in I the can't same go way that, right like, now. I don't have the mm-hmm. right ability. And then you play the game a little more and go, I have an ability to get through these doors. Also, I can go back and do this. And, like, that's just Arkham right. Asylum. <laughs> Arkham but Asylum's at the like, same wait. time, as you say that, like, Uncharted is just Tomb Raider, it's, like, obviously borrowing from that. But also, like, Uncharted's 2, 3, and 4 tell a better story than any no, Tomb Raider yeah, game. Exactly. That's, even yeah. the new ones. It's that exactly. and, and, and that's God point. of War it's, is like it's yes, it's, I, don't, I don't want to say perfecting. It's improving upon ideas. It's development. It's I I don't think I, I see what you're saying. It's 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 the lens that we look at that shiny coat of sheen though. It's do we look at that shiny coat of sheen as look, it's an entirely new thing, or do we look at that shiny coat of sheen as the process of development itself? I that shiny coat of sheen as time goes yeah. on, layers and layers and layers until it is eventually something new. But yeah. in the I moment, that, it's, like, just, a, it's just a piece of paint. Yeah, and I think that as like a game journalist, my struggle is understanding that what you just said is true. What 90% of people playing games understand is not that. The arguments are these games are revolutionary. And it's like, <laughs> they're not. They're just... Yeah, it's, but like, what's what to both of your points? Yeah, it's both of your points. Like Kev said, Uncharted One, Two, and 3's story is very, very good, and that's I'm mostly I think because that's my next video game or uh, one through four. Uncharted One through Four and two, I I would say two, three, four, one yes, is fine, but that's just, I'm just nitpicking. But yeah, I'm just regardless. Nitpicking. Those stories are better than Tomb Raider, but I think that that's possible because they went. Let's just make Tomb Raider. Because but that's put a already, good story that's in already, it. Yeah. That's easy to do. <laughs> and let's just make it look look good and be a good story. Ghost of right. Tsushima is like, let's just make Assassin's Creed 2 again. Because we know how. And let's make it look really good. And really draw influence from Akira Kurosawa. And make the story incredible. Aren't like, there yeah. only like functionally like five types of video games? Like if we break... There's no. first person shooter. Yeah, there's five person... types of video games. There's five types of stories. Um, yeah, there's it's <laughs> it's about doing the. It's, do it's you have a bow or things do you have that a rifle? Are you fighting with right. your fists and, okay. or not? Are there... no, can, I take, or... can I take? <laughs> can I? Can I? Can I? Can I take? a fucking Thanos Infinity Gloves, and can I put the fucking gems of everything that we've been talking about on the glove right now? Okay, I'm going to take the Prestige TV and Game Stone. I'm going to take the Word Content Stone, and I'm going to take Jace's previously mentioned people ran away from the screen because of a train, which is a fiction, and I'm going to put them all on the glove and say that our problem is marketing. Our problem is marketing departments, and we are fucking, we are, we just answer only to marketing departments and people in, in QA and PR who try to take art and make it fit into boxes and make you think something that it isn't, which is art and entertainment. I've and that is all that it's ever based doing. on that. Snap. Snap. <laughs> after the snap, marketing. After the dust, we all realize <laughs> that The Witcher is the best result we can possibly imagine out of books, 
that were turned into games that then heavily influenced the creation of what was supposed to be, I think, a movie that ended up turning into a long-form television show. (laughs) And if we said, what if we did Xena X-Files? Done, (laughs) done, done. (laughs) And I think going back to what Kevin said, marketing is the real issue with it because marketing has this way of affecting the way that we consume the content that we market, right? And I think it's, it's really exciting when we're able to, like, take advantage of that marketing, but it's also really easy to point out examples when it it bites them in the ass. But then when it does what it's quote unquote supposed to do, we get caught up and we pretend it's not real, right? We're like, this is the greatest thing ever. It's like, no, you're literally just spewing back what you learned in a in a commercial that you watch. But my my favorite example that I love to go to is Fucking Jennifer's queen. Body. Jennifer's Body. You familiar with the movie Jennifer's Body? Oh yeah, I'm familiar. So Jennifer's Body was a box office flop it did not do well in theaters right it it, it gained some cult following because it's a very fun movie right it did not do well because fundamentally the people on the marketing team went got it megan fox hot it's called jennifer's body we're gonna play with this kind of like sexy like femme they tried to pitch it as this femme fatale like they tried to pitch it to men essentially right they gendered its marketing no way because we we gender (laughs) capitalism isn't innately tied with gendering things right i won't get into that do your own research actually i'd probably love to talk about it 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 absolutely is jason's correct it's fundamentally baked into the concepts the colonial concepts they are they are hand in hand right so they gendered the marketing for jennifer's body in the Almost an opposite because gender is also informative of the politics and the creation of pieces as well in a very different manner. So the marketing team gendered it for men and the writer made it with the intention of being a, a glimpse it for, for women. It was, they, they, it was a they literally took story. the only audience that this movie was not explicitly, explicitly appealing to. intended for. It's like when you're in it, a Women show, and like, the gays story? are the target audience for this they movie. Went, wait, we're going to pitch it to men because Megan Fox. And it fucked the movie over. It ruined its box office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can see the way that the way marketing affects the way content is consumed in real time from the instances where it doesn't work. And when it does work, we just shrug it off as the product's that good. It actually is what we said it was. No, it's not. You just bought a fucking commercial. You bought in what a bunch of people who get paid way too much money to decide said was good about this thing. And then you adopt those phrases. I've had friends talk about this thing and they literally quote back to me word for word stuff in commercials. And I'm like, why are you a walking advertisement? Like, what is that? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, it's because yeah, that's how I feel about the word content. But yes, is, yes. But, but yes, I mean, it, but that is the thing. It gets, it gets marketed into that, into that realm as content creators, as artists, we're constantly forced by marketing to blur those lines, right? Instagram is making people go, what is my art and what is my content? Are they the same thing? Or are they different we, things? Yes. We as human beings should not be talking about our brands. And I will do it as a joke, <laughs> but like we Motherfucker. should not, we should not co-opt for ourselves words like brand and words like content because that because the marketing the marketers are winning that's what that means but is that like they the word content we are now shows because that is content but content that's television is... content versus the way that we've reappropriated it into like this is my content it's like you, you this is your art you made art you are not held 
to the yeah, standards of the commercial yeah. not held I'm, standards to mm. the company that's producing it, the network that's making it, the producers, the directors, all the people funding it. You are not making content for an, an amalgamation. You here's, are making art as an individual, not content for a brand. So, so Jace, here's my problem with content, and I would imagine that Kev's going to agree with this in some way. Mm-hmm. If you call TV shows content and Logan Paul calls whatever bullshit he makes content and you are equating the they're two. the same no, thing then. you are what i am saying is logan paul and is is indicative of 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 a co-op of a co-opting of that language right logan paul no the some... language is made for logan yeah. paul that's what the content is not a word we've been using for decades that logan paul is that is what content is. Like, oh, my favorite content creator. creator. Well, the word Steven Spielberg, my favorite content no, 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 but creator. It wasn't used, in that, it wasn't used in that way, though. What I'm saying is the it, the co-opting of that word also comes with it a new use of that word, and that word comes back to it. But fundamentally, they there were board meetings. There are board. You pitch your show to the Fox table. They pick the content yes. for their lineup their tv that is their content when they talk about it from a business perspective that's their content it was then co-opted by individuals to say that this is my brand this is what i'm doing this is my content and it turned no, into a new work the, it turned into the, a new usage no the board members and their marketing team may they taught us all to start saying the word and and exactly. when I think all three of... No, but that means they won if we start using the word. That means that we are buying into what they are selling. That's literally and, what I'm saying. I'm saying TV shows are content in that way. They are beholden to producers, uh, commercials, networks. They are... They are literally... Okay, yes, they, they are, are training literally artists content because content means And that's why we're calling our in, art content. <laughs> but content means the thing in the space. When we use the word ourselves yeah. uh, i think we would all three of us agree that the way we use language rewrites the way our brains think correct right it's that like uh, an example i don't know how true this is but like for centuries we didn't have the word blue and that's how you get homer writing the odyssey and talking about wine colored seas because correct. he didn't have the word blue so his brain did not properly right. perceive blue that is exactly the same process that happens when we start thinking of television, movies, music, art, like theater, any genre of art or music. If we start referring to books as content, that I means that we well, are... No, because situation. we have our brain, human brains, love to mm-hmm. compartmentalize. That's what we do. Like our, our the human brain is set up to compartmentalize and you have to consciously unwrite those processes because compartmentalization right. is easy in group, out group. When you use the word content as an umbrella term for mm-hmm. anything that is produced, because that's the way it's used now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and again, this is a new, I, the word content in the history of the English language is not new. It's use as an umbrella term for art and media is very new and is specifically like YouTube and Instagram. It is directly. Well, mm, uh, that is where that word becomes a word that we start using in the same way that we use brand. That is where that word became what we currently know it as. But that word started with the commercialization of mainstream media. I mean, 
TV movies that are beholden to a label. Not indie works, not not independent films, not small TV, not web series, not that stuff, right? But then through the effects of internalizing capitalism as a society, we then said, wait a minute, this thing that networks do, we can say about ourselves, I need to make money off of my being as an artist. So then we start calling our art content to emulate capital, hear me out, to emulate commercial structures. And then the word takes on new meaning. And then it but becomes it, something that when you take it back and you use it in a new context to describe TV and movies, minimizes what's actually there. When in reality, content simply is taking art and viewing it through a commercial lens. And that is something that, that TV is, networks have been doing for years. And that movies is its have been doing base. for years. That is right. its base, and but I'm its current it's definition is not because, that, and it is right. it is, and that's because of its internalization into individualism. <laughs> but, but, but you, but why would you take that phrase and consciously apply it yourself, unless you're trying to reclaim the word content? Why no. would you consciously apply it to art? And I'm not accusing you. I'm no, I'm, I get what you're saying. General... I agree. That is the question. <sighs> But, People but, taking that word and putting it on themselves has to do with them internalizing capitalism. It is not a good thing. It is okay. not a good thing. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate that. But it's... <laughs> it is not a good thing. It is us internalizing okay. I, commercialism I, I, and capitalism. Right. And I am asking our audience and myself, which, you know, I'll catch myself doing it too, because it is like the way that we talk now, but it is us consciously adapting the attitude of a marketer i am not equating that with marketing one's art which is not the same thing as taking on the attitude as a capital m marketer yes because when we do that when we start referring to the hundreds uh, thousands of offerings on netflix the app as content, <laughs> the umbrella term, capital C, content. What we are doing is we are now thinking of these things the way that marketers want us to think about them, as opposed to making the marketers adapt to the way we think about things. And when we consciously use the word content as creators or audiences we are diminishing the idea of art because as you said we are now buying into this 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 stage of capitalism's perception of art and i'm not pretending that art that nobody made money off of art like that that's right. obviously what we've been doing for centuries like you didn't get into the globe theater for free like shakespeare <laughs> was not some pure being that did it all for the love of it i'm sure he liked it but like my man's got to make a living um, i see what point you're saying as far as referring back to the stuff netflix releases and tv shows and all this referring back to it with the new newly conceptualized reappropriation of the word content does a disservice to the creators of this art i think directly yes I, yes and i i agree with that sentiment i also think it's important for us to acknowledge fundamentally that the marketing aspect of those shows is integral to how they are made and it does affect what we are seeing right that's when undeniable we think, but i yeah. but i think but that's... I, I don't i think they're two sides of the same coin i i think 
I agree. Calling things content should be a bad word. I think right. it does a disservice to the art that these things are. I think it also simultaneously says something about the system that produces these works, rather restricts these works. When we talk about Patriot Act but with uh, Hassan Minaj on Netflix, right? Certain mm -hmm. episodes are not allowed to be aired in certain places due to relationships with government and Netflix. And Netflix as, and I mean this as a dirty word, a content creator stifles the artist. Sure. So it's complicated. I agree. We shouldn't call things content because it is a dirty word. It diminishes the artistic value of all these things. But it's also important for us to acknowledge that there, there are acts of commercialization in play. Finding that balance is I mean, tricky that's certainly to true. current society. I think that's the base of it. I feel like we're we're saying the same thing very similarly, but from very different perspectives. I was no, I, thinking I think more as like, saying where it came from, and you're speaking more towards how we're using it now. It's just it's interesting to me because like I've had I tried to have this argument once um, with <laughs> I was in. <laughs> There's a chance that one of the people that was a part of this argument is listening to this. I think that this person listens to this show, uh, and thank you for doing that. But I'm sure that this whole conversation has been very interesting to them. But I was in San Diego I hope it's uh, interesting. in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was in San Diego in 2018, and we were – it was for Comic-Con. <clears throat> uh, so in July, we were hanging out. It was a big group of us, and we were talking about like – I don't know how it came up, but we someone brought up content and making content. That's mm -hmm. good content. And my brain just fucking short-circuited. And I was like, stop fucking calling it that. And they were like, why? And I brought up the thing that I said earlier that Kev finished my sentence literally on. And that's that, like, <laughs> Hemingway, content. Logan Paul, content. They ain't the same. But if you call them the same thing, now they, they become are. the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I was met with this really... Well, it was an onslaught, one, so that's hard to, like, overcome. But I was met with this, like, really unified voice from everybody that's like, that's dumb, you're being dumb. It's it's just, it's this. And I didn't have the wherewithal to, like, sit back and be like, no, we only call it that because, like, one dude who worked with the marketing department that said it a lot started saying it a lot. And then everyone was like, well, he worked with the marketing department and they're saying it and it works, so we should say it because it works. And further... I hate when people talk about personal branding, my personal yes. brand. That's my brand because like for it to be a, you're more, a human being. Why are be you trying to be a more totally deaf thing in America for one is to like <laughs> say that you are a thing that was used to mark ownership on often animals, but in this country also often humans like right. fuck off. You don't I don't want my shit to be a brand. Yeah. Because I don't want I don't damn bleh, it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. And well, like the, I, my it, uncle has this deep this this deep disagreement with the fact that like when we something scary happens or we stub our toes or we sneeze, all of those things end in some reference to the Christian God. <laughs> like Something scary. <laughs> oh my God! Stub our toes. God damn it! You sneeze. Well, they Bless you. all have to do with colonization of thought and capitalism. Well, no, but like, like they're all yeah. Right. And but his argument is that like, why don't we just come up with something else to say? Right. And I my agree. argument sure. for ages about content and brand has been like, why don't 
We just stop fucking saying it. We already had something. words for all these I, things. Why I, are we I, trying to? We already had words I for think, all these things. We just dumbed it down for the uneducated masses <laughs> to be able to been... scoop it up like a Dyson fucking vacuum. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think it's important that we start using different words for that. But I, at the same time, I also think it's important that we do respect where they came from, not as like a, oh, respect in a good way, but like fundamentally acknowledge where these things come from and the, the the harm that commercialization and capitalism has done to the individual when we view to the things we make as content the word content but literally etymologically as a word invokes and implies restrictions there is a box these are the contents of my box this is my content this is what i have these are the things that we sell these are the things that we own it is purely based on a commercial standard and it's important for us to to be able to go, hey, we should be able to look at massive corporations and understand that, like, okay, this is going to be controversial. I love this stuff so much. The Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe is Disney content. Fuck. Well, I mean, the I people when have you look often, it often compared it to a factory assembly line exactly right? and, and that's exactly mm -hmm. what i mean by the word content and i think that gives a when we use that word for everything it takes it rightfully so we should be viewing it as a dirty word because it, it we're implying that the commercialization is a dirty process and i agree we shouldn't be calling things that are art that i'm not saying that stuff made by these creators mm. isn't art I'm more so speaking toward Disney as a, the word we don't like, a brand. Disney is a brand. It oh, is, they are a brand. I, well, it, that's the appropriate use of that word. That's literally <laughs> all I'm saying. That's literally all I'm saying. That's and the it's right word? Okay. It's been internalized into the individual, and that's why it's a dirty word, because we are internalizing yeah. commercialism and capitalism. If Disney wants to call their shit content internally, I can't argue with that. I am just encouraging the av the people watching WandaVision to not call WandaVision content because someone's fucking trying to make art and don't yeah, fucking Yeah, and it, I think content. it's also perfectly fine to say there's a lot of content on Disney+. Plus. There's a lot of content because in the, the Xbox Game Store what it is. because that is the, the detailing of the contents the of its storage. Wait, this What's is there? like law degree level analysis of the word content. I'm very proud of us. <laughs> uh, listeners just, at home, if anybody's keeping score, me. how many episodes has it been now where we go off on some 30 minute diatribe about the nature of art? How many has it been? Because it's a few. Basically, what we're illustrating <laughs> is... is that we're a group of people deeply insulted by the world at large yes. deciding that they should put yep. one term on something because they yep. don't they can't be fucking bothered to care to learn the nuance of something. That's really right. It. right. Yep. That's yep. really it. Yes. It's interesting. Like, I'm now thinking about this as like Caleb, I would I would qualify you as a video game guy. That's like what you do. Kevin, I would consider sure. you like a film guy. That's, That's what right. you do. And I would consider myself to be a theater person. That's like mm. what I do. And these are all storytelling devices. You know what's really funny is the three of us are all writers. Exactly, but that's <laughs> that's the common thread. It's it's it. And that's, going back to the book thing, I actually would literally not once ever call a book content, right? Because you're not going to look at a publisher and be like, "This is all of the stuff made by this publisher." You don't lump them in in the same way. What's funny is though, many books have a table of fucking contents. In them. <laughs> <laughs> well, in nonfictional, I mean... but that's again. 
on a different etymological basis. That literally means within the confines. There's a cover. Mm -hmm. There's literally mm -hmm. confines yeah. on. The That's the right use of the word. You know what Is I'm gonna say like... from now on? I'm gonna I'm gonna end the conversation with this. <laughs> and I'm kidding. We can go on if you want. I'm gonna call myself from now on a content creator. I make hey. people content. <laughs> I love that. I'm content. I'm a contempt creator. I think it's beautiful. People hate <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> yeah. I'm a I contempt make creator. contempt. I no, make genuinely, it. I piss people off. <laughs> Sometimes art should piss people off. Sometimes my content really pisses people off. <laughs> Some people call me a punk content creator. I say fuck you. My yeah. name's Chase, and I make contempt, not content. <laughs> and my life is pretty crazy. I want to tell you about my favorite content creator, Henrik Ibsen. Let me, <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about a little content creator. He made a lot of stuff. I'm talking Socrates. <laughs> the hand motion. See, like the 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 end the end stage for all of this. I think it's one of those things where like industrialization happens, right? And no, everyone was farmers, and then industrialization happens, and it's like, oh, well, now most of us don't need to be farmers. So now we have we have to specialize, and specialize was the like blanket term, and then eventually out of that rose painters and potters and carpenters and you know i mean carpenters obviously and all these things were around before but you had an influx of people doing those things i think we're similarly in an age of digital industrialization where people are realizing that like oh i can make money here and i used to be a farmer aka i used to walk to my car and drive my car to work and go into a workplace and work and now i can do it from home and so i yeah. think that like content creator is very much the like you need to specialize and like i hate it and i'm sure people back in the day that were moving out of farming into more industrialized spaces hated being labeled as like those folk and you know that they were because like the world was changing and people hate change but i think that like what we're going to start seeing is you're going to see like i want content creator to just dis a fucking peer and because people need to specialize and like when they do specialize you'll see that like this is i'm a streamer i'm a video yes. producer i'm a podcaster i'm a journalist specify like medium. Things... if we can talk about the medium by which we create yeah. versus the product yeah and i think sense. that like the reason we get content creator and the way the reason content exploded is because humanity right now is in a phase, and I don't think it's going to end particularly soon. It's called it capitalism. Is a phase. Uh, not even just specifically that, though, Jace. Like, I think we're in a phase where we are dominated largely by our social media interactions, and content creators are called content creators because they create on all the social media platforms. So you can't say, I'm a YouTuber, because if you're only doing YouTube, you're failing. You have to be creating, right. just, you have to be just shelling out dog shit to YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Vimeo, daily, you know what I mean? Like all of these things, Twitch, and how you have your own website as well. And like, that's that's the, the opposite of specialization. And that I think is logical and to be expected in the beginning right. decades I, of like, I, a movement like this. So I think content will eventually that... disappear from marketing because they're gonna, instead of needing content, they're gonna have to specialize within that content and say like, well, we have a personality here, here, and here. We need one that does this. So they're not going to look for 
no one's hiring content creators. That's still not a thing. Well, my uh, central claim is that right now the focus things. is on product over process, and that is a direct result of commercialization and capitalism. And I think with the idea of specialization, it's moving back to process versus product. The second we stop viewing things as this is the thing I've made, this is the content, these are the things within the confines of my being, my brand, right? This All of this toxic terminology that comes from an internalization of that process, the way that we eradicate that is by moving back from product to process. It's you don't you don't say you don't say I'm a I'm a, I'm a lettuce creator, right? You say I'm a farmer. What are you doing? <laughs> Not what did you make? You know what I'm saying? And check out my content here. Uh, my favorite content <laughs> my I've ever produced. My three kids. This is my favorite content. But literally, uh, and that comes with an internalization of the way that we look at making things. It's like we don't look at things as like look at this thing that I made. Right. Instead, we're saying that instead of look at this thing I did. Right. We're focused on product because we have internalized capitalism to the extent where it's like every, we must commodify the things that bring us joy. And that is fundamentally at the core of, quote, content creators. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this has been our the last episode of our Witcher coverage. Was this <laughs> did, did the lit I did. Did you enjoy this, listener? Did you... We talked about The Witcher for a while. You know, like, it's not like we didn't. Uh, I just I hope you enjoyed these other avenues. I'm, I'm literally responsible for all of this. Because it, I was like, I got okay. a thing I got to say about uh, Prestige Television. I love that, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, this is play this in is this space. Me, the best part about this show is when we get to do this kind of stuff, right? Absolutely. When we get a little heated, we start to push each other's buttons a little bit. And I know I do it a lot because I'm a little fuck. But like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what I love is that like I feel so like comfortable with y'all that we can like dive into these you know issues and be like, like and get like and be like passionate about these topics because these are topics that matter. And Absolutely. it's so As easy to get caught up in like writers and creators and, right. and artists, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and consumers. Just to, to wrap it back to Witcher. Do it. Do it. Do it. Can I say one of my favorite endings of a show is characters meeting and one looking up and saying, Where's the other one? Fuck. God. I was like, What are they going to meet? When are they going to meet? And then she's like, She's like, Where's Yennefer? And you're like, Fuck. She knows. Fuck, she's gone. Fuck, fuck. And then the show just goes to black, and you're like, cool, cool. I have to wait two years. Awesome. God. Yeah. Rules. That's, uh, that, that is a good cliffhanger. I was like, ooh. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Cliffhangers, everyone hates them when they happen. But everyone talks about them fondly in in the future. Like yeah, Halo 2. I... Halo 2 famously has one of the worst, where Master Chief shows back up on a ship flying into a city. And someone's like, what are you doing? And he's like, finishing this fight. And then the game fucking ended, and they didn't get another one for like three years. And people were like, fuck this game. Now, it's one of my favorite moments to remember. And I, so, like, yeah. when when series like, where's Jennifer? I was like, oh, fuck off. And now that I'm like, what a great how way to Every end episode of WandaVision ends for me. I'm like, god damn it. No. <laughs> but and they then I look all, back, but, I'm like, yeah. I'm so glad I waited a week. Yeah, but, <laughs> and both shows, like, give you, like, okay, like, here's some satisfaction, and then here's a bunch of waiting. You know, like, here, we're, like, it's Geralt and Siri are finally together, and then, oh, where's Yennefer? 
and and we are <laughs> oh, <off. shit. laughs> uh yeah and it's a fucking uh beautiful uh well-constructed uh television um anyway uh throw it in uh, off normal can we say stop saying the word content <laughs> yeah oh yeah uh yes. fuck content uh go home um, oh, yes yes Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. So, uh, anyway, this has been the finale of our uh, winter break with The Witcher. Um, alleged Netflix is allegedly putting out both a season two of this show and an animated Witcher movie. Um, and uh, both this year, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, everything goes okay. uh, according <laughs> to plan. Uh, our coverage of that will depend on where we're at in community uh when either of those respective things come out um maybe we'll just like cover it all after we're done who the hell knows that's a long way away we we yeah, don't, don't have don't, like a, don't add us we'll figure it out i am not committing to anything i also have a pitch for a short show we should cover after we're done with community uh but i will uh not share that now uh, i'll share that with y'all off the air i don't want to i don't want to please what a cliffhanger I know. Uh, so that's exciting. We'll be back next week with Community Season 4. Um, it's here. Uh, uh, Gas leak, baby. As uh, as, as far as uh, uh, content is concerned, uh, the the <laughs> play that I wrote that a reading of is currently on YouTube, Scooby-Doo and the Manson Family Murders, uh, getting a lot of views the last like week and a half. Uh, so if you've ever been curious about that, uh, check it out. Uh, subscribe to that YouTube channel because I'm sure I will be uh, <laughs> making a Kickstarter video in the future. Uh, so uh, just uh, keep your eyes on that space. Uh, do y'all have anything before we before we break? Uh, if you're trans, I love you. If you if you're cis, I love you too. But if you're trans, I love you. That's it. That's what I have to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't got shit. Um, I do video game shit and go look at it. That's really it. My new kid's awesome, and um, he shits a lot. Yep, hell yeah, me too. He's completely, he's completely commandeered my wife from me, which I'm <laughs> going to resent for years, but it'll be fine. <laughs> that explains so much. Yeah, That's this fine. whole episode's basically me just being fucking angry. <laughs> That's okay. Just like our protagonist, Geralt the Witcher. Um, oh, you just compared me to Geralt. I'm hard. Hell yeah. We can leave now. <laughs> Rock fucking hard. Uh, <laughs> but until next week, uh, when we return to Greendale, fuck content. <laughs> fuck content. <laughs> Listen to Witcher. Oh. Plenty. <laughs> what? I love that. You got to do it. I love it. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, you put a little uh, melisma on it. Yeah. (laughs) Machisma. Wait, no, that's not it. No, melisma. Machismo. Musical term. Yeah. I don't know if I used it properly.
fortune that was splendid. Then he died the day he planned to go and spend it shouting, Live for your alive, no one will survive. Life is sorrow, here today and gone tomorrow. Live for your alive, no one will survive. There's no guarantee, oh, for the best. Expect the worst. Chances make you win the matches. Look out for the 